Hi, Eric. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm excited. Are you still um, named Aaron? I am at the moment. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, season two. Let's do another one. Let's do it again. Um, yeah, we're back from our unannounced and enjoyable Yeah, hybrids. after our, our last episode, you disappeared for three months, so I, I thought uh, I defended you or something. Yes, 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 but we're, we're back on speaking terms, as it were. <laughs> <laughs> Being on the same continent helps. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, what are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about the end of the world. Yes. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> that seems like a good thing yeah. to talk about. Um, I'm kind of intrigued on how to even get started. So, I guess maybe we should do a callback to our original... Um, set of episodes. Okay. Started. I don't know where you're headed, but we did an. I episode. thought the past was the past, but go ahead. Yes. We, well, I th- where we were talking about random stuff like we're want to do, and um, the millennium came up as a su- subject. Yes. Right. <laughs> and you had a very interesting reaction. Do you recall what your reaction was? I don't specifically recall, but I probably said something along the lines of I don't believe in it. Yes, great, which is perfect. And my response was that I had a hard time getting interested in it. (laughs) I do remember that, yes. Yes. Anyway, I've had many discussions with some of my, with people I know since then, right? Yes. I have went and I've studied a bunch of things and I've read a bunch of stuff and, you know, generally speaking, I'd like to explain why why I feel this way about the millennium and um, how I think that maybe it could help others approach the subject in a more interesting way. Okay. And then You're going to try to deborify the millennium. Exactly. Okay, got and then it. Afterwards I'm gonna let you talk about crazy talk. <laughs> Just call me theoretic now. <laughs> that's, that's kind of our agenda, alright? So, I'm ready. Uh, it's not so much that I think that the millennium is a boring topic, okay? This is, this is by far, this is actually far, super far from the truth. It's that um, I was super interested in the whole topic when I was a kid, right? And sure. Growing, I think it just captivates the imagination. It's cool, man. Right? You, you've got Stuff all these will be on fire. Happen. Stuff will be on fire. Okay. And, which is... Dead um, people lying in the streets. <laughs> What's not to like? <laughs> this is perfect for a kid. <laughs> um, but looking back at it nowadays, it's just that I have a hard time finding sources that I deem to be reliable. Are you trying to bring science to a discussion on religion, Aaron? <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm actually just... In this particular episode, there isn't a lot of science. But what we, what we can have is at least some documentation, right? <laughs> oh, great. All right. Least, I'm ready. I'm ready. We're going to go digging for horses at next. Least some, go uh, ahead. At le- yeah, at least some uh, some primary sources. So, all right. Let's, we probably should start with some definitions. Okay, okay let's have them. Let's start, with, um, let's start with Article of Faith. Oh, okay. Yeah, did you think we are going there first? I did not expect this, no. Okay, but this well, is... This is a reasonable thing to include. It is. A, it is, right? I think so. It is, as I recall, one of the Articles of Faith. Do you remember the song for the Article of Faith, Tim? I, I'm, no. And I, we could do an entire episode about why those songs shouldn't exist if you like, but the short answer is no. <laughs> do you want me to sing it for you? No, please. <laughs> Although, if you feel you need to, I will allow it because I'm planning on singing to you later. Okay, perfect. Okay. Okay. We believe in the literal gathering of Israel. Yes. And in the restoration of the ten tribes, that Zion, the new Jerusalem, parentheses and parentheses, will be <laughs> built upon the American continent, that Christ will reign personally 
upon the earth, and the earth will be renewed and receive its paradisiacal glory. Yeah. Gospel topics. The millennium. What's gospel topics? Gospel topics, uh, is this the thing online where it's a brief little... It's interesting. There's gospel topics and there's gospel essays. Right, but they're both online. They're both... This is sort of like a, a summarized version of what was in gospel principles, the gospel topics. Am I correct? Yeah, I think that would probably be a good way to describe it. It's interesting. I, I, I looked at the introduction for it and it just said this is a series of gospel topics. Right, but I wanted to know some backstory as to why they made it, mm -hmm. and why it's interesting. Gospel essays appear to be some stuff about, you know... Difficult things. Difficult topics, like we talk about on our show. A millennium is a period of a thousand years. Okay? <laughs> That's super literal. Okay. <laughs> when Sounds we speak good. of the millennium, we refer to the thousand years following the second coming of Christ. So, some definitions. That's what the millennium is. A thousand, so is this, literally a thousand years. Is this a thousand years of creation days? <laughs> Wait, no, I'm just messing with you. You don't get to go there. Yet. I'm just messing. You gotta with hold that. that I'm, not even, I'm never gonna say that again. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. It's a thousand years of of, of peace. Okay. The peace sounds nice. Okay. There's a second coming that will precede the millennium, mm -hmm. and it's a big one. Um, it's like the end of the... People talk about, like, end of the world when they talk about the second coming. Yeah, evangelists love this. Okay, so... We bar... Like, some of the imagery that I saw as a child from LDS sources was, frankly, evangelical in yeah. terms of, like, the rapture and yeah. that stuff. A lot of it's evangelical imagery. Right, which is... Fairly modern stuff. Well, yeah, which, you know, isn't really in here. <laughs> Super biblical, let's call it. Um, at least in this... this These gospel topics are very are very basic with lots of... Yeah. Links to scriptures. That's what they. That's what they talk about, mm -hmm. right? So um, we have the the second coming of Jesus Christ will come and cleanse the world and start his thousand year of peace, right? Yes, I believe it says that. Um, that's exactly what I would expect it to say. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now it also talks about um, signs of the second coming. Mm -hmm. Okay, and this is the part that I wanted to talk a lot about today. Because, listen, <laughs> I want Christ to return. That sounds good. Possible, yeah, that doesn't sound bad. Right? Um, I want him to reign personally upon the earth. Right? Yeah, I'd, um, I'd love a good role model. I want a thousand years in peace. 2019's America, this sounds great. Yeah, it sounds... <laughs> indeed. Okay? But here's what I don't want. Yeah, tell okay? me. I don't want wars and I no? don't want rumors of wars. Not even rumors of wars, Aaron? Not even, not even that. Okay, so, the signs of the times. Yeah, let's have signs, signs of the second coming. That's, that's what... Um, Just for those of you following along at home, Aaron is reading this off a tattoo on his inner thigh. That's right. <laughs> I had this created. <laughs> I'm just kidding, I'm okay, sorry. Okay, good. That's, uh, let's nip that one in the... Okay. <laughs> Speechless. <laughs> right. Um, look, the scriptures are very clear. This same, this same Jesus, which is taken up into heaven, shall come in like manner. If you have seen him go into heaven, and we've been looking forward to it ever since. Right. Mm -hmm. um, here are some of the signs. Right. The priesthood will be restored. Priesthood will be restored. Check. There'll be an apostasy from the gospel that happens before the priesthood. Okay. The restoration of the gospel. The coming forth of the Book of Mormon. The preaching of the gospel. A sign of wickedness. A time of wickedness, war, and turmoil. A time of wickedness, war, and turmoil. Yep. The 1960s. Signs in the heaven and on the earth. Signs in the heaven and on the earth, which is usefully vague. Yeah. The righteous need not fear. 
Okay, good. <laughs> I don't know if I qualify after this episode, but go ahead. <laughs> the, the, the wicked should fear. <laughs> yes. I don't think I'm wicked, so... But well, lukewarm my, gets spewed from the mouth. So. Here's my question. Yeah. That maybe kind of frame this. Do you believe mm-hmm. that the world that we live in right now, today, is a wicked world? I don't. I mean, it's easy to feel that way. Um... Uh, yeah, there's plenty, there's plenty of bad stuff happening, but do yeah. I believe the world is inherently wicked? Do I think the world is wickeder than it used to be? No. I mean, I've spent, I'm spending the last week and the next few weeks talking with freshmen about Romeo and Juliet and sophomores about Macbeth. And as a sample conversation yesterday, we're trying to explain why Macbeth is this great hero and like respected by his peers and admired by the king and held close to by the king when what he's good at is killing people. That's what he's good at. Well, that's a really useful skill in yeah. like 1100 AD or whenever he's supposed to have lived. Right. It doesn't sound like good uh, anger management. You know, good. Uh... Why is anger management a skill? Right. How does anger management keep you alive, Aaron? Yeah. Have... How does it lower stress? Yeah. How does it make the world a better place? Everyone's carrying a sword everywhere they go. You got to be careful how you manage that anger. Five millennium myths you thought were true. Oh, okay. What's this from? This is by Robert Millet. Have you heard of oh, this yeah. person? Oh, yeah. Robert Millet. Sure. Okay, t- can you tell me about him before I quote him in a well, way? Well, might... he was a religion professor at BYU. Uh-huh. He was my stake president when it I was, was at BYU. Um, okay. I would say that religion professors often have this reputation of being slightly over the top in an attempt to prove something. Um, I never experienced that myself, but close people that I admire and take seriously and some of whom are not the sort of person who would say that anyone could ever possibly go over the top with religion have experienced this so I'm happy to say Robert Miller is not one of those people he's pretty rationally writes good books one of the books is living in the 11th hour this is an article by Robert Millet on uh, LDS living hey LDS living yeah I have yeah they're good people yeah and I really liked most of this article of course I'm gonna cite the part that I didn't like Okay, yeah. All right, let's start there. <laughs> Some of the myths are, for example, it's possible to know everything about the millennium and the second coming just by reading the scriptures. Oh my gosh. That's a myth. <laughs> Who believes that? Uh, that gets right into one of my little pet peeves that we'll be talking about later. Okay. Number two, the millennium has already come. We are now living in it. Uh, I, Since we last spoke, yeah. um, some missionaries came to our house knocked, knocking on doors okay. to bearing the message of a heavenly mother. Yeah, good. And uh, I didn't talk to them. My wife talked to them. But it was very interesting to listen from the other room. Yeah. And uh, I don't know who they were. I didn't get their name. But um, I've since found that there is a Christian sect that really pushes hard on Heavenly Mother. And they also believe the second coming has already occurred. And we are living in the millennium right now. In the millennium, right? But Robert Millet says that's not true. That is not the case. That is a bummer. Those poor kids. Yeah, because of specifically that um, everybody will know when Christ comes. That's the, one of the points of the second coming. Right. It'll be like in Bill and Ted's bogus journey where everybody's TVs turn to Bill and Ted at the same time. <laughs> yes. That that, that movie think... is a millennial parable, and you need to rewatch it. Wait, wait, you're being serious. How's I never thought story? of it before right now, but actually, yeah, I totally am serious. I think, I think everything I just said is true. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm, yeah, I feel pretty comfortable with that. <laughs> okay. They don't get hotter than, you know, this is Bill the one and Ted that, This is the one that I have an issue with. Okay. Is this three, or are we at four now? Three. Okay, three. Maybe we'll skip three and come back to and do, come back to yeah, it. let's do it last. Okay, Latter, no, myth four. Latter-day Saints will be the only people on earth during the millennium. Oh, that's that's egotistical. This surprises me that there are people that think this. It doesn't surprise me, but it disappoints me. And I'm often disappointed by things that don't surprise me. Maybe, again, we should go back to definitions a bit, right? We believe that there will be these thousand years of peace. We'll believe, we, and I'm saying we believe here. I know that this is just my understanding yeah. of what I've been taught in the past. 
okay? And right, this is what be... you imagine generic American Mormon belief yeah. to be. One of the purposes of this is to do missionary work, right? Both of the living and of the dead. Yeah. Right? There'll be lots of people resurrected. Sure. It's just fantastic. Sounds cool. Okay, so that's some of them, right? And But this myth is that they'll be only LDS people. We don't believe in that. They'll we be do not. people of lots of different religions. And... Um, this one's tricky. We must be patient and long-suffering and realize that consummate righteousness will come into our lives only after the Millennial Messiah comes down to dwell on Earth. So that's the myth. We believe the opposite. You don't have to wait for Christ to come back and to, to, to be a good person. Number three. Here we go. The Millennium will come about because goodness and decency and Christian civility will result in a world ready to receive its returning king. Oh. I thought, wait, that's not what I was expecting you to say at all. It will come because because there's enough good Christian stuff happening to bring it about? He argues that this is the myth. Oh, that's the myth. Yeah. Oh, well. He says... this. Oh, that's right. Those are myths. I forgot. Yeah, these are myths. <laughs> I was like, okay, that, that seems very reasonable to yeah. me. This perspective is essentially what some historians or theologians call post-millennium. All right? It is okay. based largely on the idea that there is within humankind an urge to drive and progress, to move forward... To climb to greater heights. What evidence is there that we like to progress? <laughs> and then this is, again, still quoting. All right. Anyone who reads the daily newspaper or watches the news on television would look askance at this notion. Things are not getting better. Stop. Nor, nor will they. <laughs> uh, anybody who's worked in a newspaper will tell you the blood sells. Yes, yes, yes. Nor will they, at least not on this side of the Lord's coming in glory. The millennium will be brought apart by the Savior's power and the wicked will be destroyed and sent to the spirit world. Will they remain for a thousand years? I'm sorry, Brother Millet. This is where he and I, you and I both get off this Yes, I, I just can't accept that. Okay, before we, again, all this is just prelude because there's so much fun, interesting things to talk about. Um, I want to, last quote before I start okay. making my, my points, okay, is from Gospel Principles. Chapter 43, Signs of the Second Coming. So this is the book that I would teach when I was teaching gospel principles to new members, right? Back when that was the Back thing. in the 90s and to 1000s. This book, I believe, was written by President Hinckley, but before he was president? I don't know. He wrote Truth Restored, which has very similar interior design and came out around the same time. But um, And I believe he was on the committee, but I don't, I don't think it's fair to say he was the primary author. There might be evidence of that somewhere online that we could find, but I don't know, I don't know the answer. So in this section, he talks about all the good signs that we've already discussed. Mm -hmm. But he also talks about these signs, these wars and rumors of wars. Yeah. And he says, many of these signs are being fulfilled. Wickedness is everywhere. Nations are constantly at war. Earthquakes and other calamities are occurring. Many people now suffer from devastating storms, drought, hunger, and disease. We can be certain that these calamities will become more severe before the Lord comes. Okay. So there's two point. There's two there, things. I feel like there's different categories that he's talking about there that I would like to respond to separately. Okay. Um, this goes, to me, this goes with the quote from Brother Millet. It does. Okay. Right? And. But, um, yeah. But I think there's a difference between wars and rumors of wars and, for instance, storms. Things increasing. are not getting better. Yeah. Okay. And, and overall. And there's always been wars and rumors and wars. It's this statement from both of these sources which has this underlying certainty. Things must get worse before they get better. And this is the <clears throat> crux of why this whole conversation 
um, makes me uncomfortable because of a variety of reasons, which I will explain after you say what you were going to say just now. Oh, yeah, I was going to say that wars and rumors and wars, that's one thing, right? That is yeah. something people are doing mm -hmm. um, directly. Yeah. Uh, wars and rumors and wars have always existed. There are not more now than there have ever been. Um, and I believe you're going to talk more about that. But the other stuff, which I think you're also going to talk about, is fundamentally different to me. Like um, increase in natural disasters, that sounds like a completely different category of thing, which can also be human-caused. Shocking, I know. But I do feel those are fundamentally different categories, and, um, and I don't feel like I can reject them all equally. Okay, so I think we should be, we should be specific. Let's start with this concept of a wicked world. Yeah. Okay? And a world that must only get more wicked. Only a world ready to be destroyed would release a musical called Wicked. <laughs> and of course. <laughs> encourage little girls to like it. Like. <laughs> so Signs of the Times. How could this how could this possibly not demotivate you? I mean, this whole concept that the world must get worse before it gets better to me is one of the most demotivating sentiments that could be inferred from these words. Yes. Okay. Aaron. Yeah. All right. You were my child, Aaron, uh -huh. for a moment. Uh-huh. Um, look, I would really like you to keep your room clean. Of course. I would really like that. But if it gets to the point where, like, we can't even see the floor, let's just go get ice cream. <laughs> okay. Is that, a good, is that a good analogy? I don't know. Just made it up. Trying it on for size. But it is demotivating. Why will I clean my room then? Yes, exactly. Okay, I see where you're going. Yeah. Um, exactly. Why would you? Um, why would I even bother trying? Wouldn't I look at the news and celebrate when bad things happen? Some people do. Okay. When Absolutely. I can, when I look at the news and I see um, some trend is alarming among youth these days, right? Or some something happening in, in some other town that's very bad, it seems like if this is what I believed, that the world must get worse before it gets better, that I would relish the, that bad news and be glad for Christ coming sooner. You don't have to look hard on Twitter to find people just overjoyed every time something terrible happens in Israel. Why? Because things have to be bad in Israel for the world to end so Jesus can come. Right. That is not a very Christian attitude, being happy that bombs are falling and killing children and people are suffering and the sewage is bad. That's not a Christian desire, even if it makes Jesus come. So there are three specific reasons why I have a very hard time believing that things must get worse than they get better. Okay. Well, wait, can I ask a phrasing question? Yes. Are you, are you questioning that things must get worse or are you questioning that things are getting worse? I'm questioning that things, this, this sentiment... We can be certain that, things that these will calamities worse. will okay. become more and more severe, referring to wickedness, national disasters, nations at war, before the Lord comes. So you're not just questioning the necessity, you are embracing myth number three. Oh, yeah. I am. Okay. But let me explain why. Okay. So, for the first thing is I think that this interpretation of the scriptures, yeah. that things must get worse before they get better, might just be wrong. Okay. Fair. It might be if you can read the scriptures and come to a different conclusion. That is a shocking idea that anyone could read scriptures and come to a different conclusion, but I will let it stand for the moment. The second is the one that I mentioned before. It's demotivating. Yeah, okay? I totally agree. All right? And I want to come back to that more in a minute. 
The third is I think it causes a real inward focus. Okay, mm -hmm. that um, it's this leave Babylon and fortify Zion. Zion. Yeah. This, this attitude, right, which yeah. causes you to maybe think first of yourself instead of your neighbor, right? And I think it is. I think the language behind leaving Babylon and entering Zion in a spiritual state is accurate and and laudable. Uh, it's when it becomes like a social and a community-driven thing that I think maybe is a problem. And I'm not yeah. saying that that's happened. In fact, I think just the opposite. I think the church is really becoming a more social and more um, outgoing and outward-looking kind of an organization. I think rhetorically we're trying to have it both ways, right? Mm -hmm. Let's go save the world as quickly as possible before it gets so wicked that it's destroyed. Um, and those things aren't necessarily logically contradictory, but it's yeah, it's it's a yeah, it's an interesting rhetorical stance. So I think that it's possible to beat that inward focus, regardless of whether or not this prop this is true, right? Just keep working and be, you know, even if things do get worse, at least we're going to try and make the world around us better, right? I think it's possible to beat this demotivation, mm -hmm. but I actually just think it's wrong. <laughs> okay, part of this episode, we're going to be linking to three um, videos. With I, very charming animation. That I really think that everybody listening to this episode should watch. Okay. It'll take you... He told me 15 minutes. It's really more like 18 minutes. <laughs> it's closer to all of your lifetime. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Each video is about five to six minutes. And they're by Kyrgyzstan. And they're... How did you learn how to say that? Um, I'm not sure I got it right. Okay. I just decided to go for it. You did a great job. <laughs> I totally believed you. So. <laughs> the first is on war. War. The second is on parasites. Parasites. And the third is on overpopulation. Overpopulation. Right, and all three of these topics sound like they're a disaster. The end of the world, Aaron. Yes, the end of the world. This is what we mean by things will get worse before they get better. War, pestilence, famine, right? Those are popular ones. Actually, horsemen on the apocalypse. Yes, three of the four. On, on horse, horsemen of the apocalypse, right? <laughs> yes, With something fourth, like that. <laughs> the fourth one I'm pretty sure is violent video games. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> Maybe not. So, anyway, so these particular these videos, <laughs> these videos are awesome. And what the, 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 you can pause now and go watch them so you don't get spoiled because I'm about to spoil them. The thesis behind Science them, shows that spoilers make you enjoy things more. That's, that's true. The thesis behind them is that the world is getting better. Yeah, absolutely, the world's getting better. I think it's crazy to say otherwise, but go on. That's the, that's the surprising, maybe not surprising if you pay attention, but inspiring, motivating part of being a human being is that the world is not getting worse. The world is getting better. Aaron, you know what exists today? What's that? Wikipedia. Uh-huh. The world is getting better. The world is getting better. Tell me about Wikipedia. We're all sharing knowledge with each other just because we feel that people deserve to have knowledge. Right. People volunteer their time. Their time to make... to. Hey, have you read the Doctrine and Covenants? <laughs> what does God tell us about knowledge? Right. Good or bad, Aaron? It's, I think it's pretty good. That's correct. <laughs> that is the right answer. So, as we were talking about how to, how to prepare for this episode, we thought we would look at some statistics. Okay, let's to, have them. And try to back this up. This was your job, so I'm just going to listen and, and clap. Okay, good. Ourworldindata.org. Oh, that's a fun, that's a fun uh, website. It is. And it's fantastic. What I want you to do, Eric... Should I go there? You should go there. 
ourworldindata.com? .org. .org, okay. Mm -hmm. So you know it's for the good of humanity because it ends in .org, and That's there's right. no way you can fake that. That's right. Okay. So let's scroll down a bit, and you'll see various um, subjects, research by topic. Research, oh, is this is that these latest research? Is no, that no, the right one? No, keep going. Uh, research research by, by topic, got it. So what we see here are things like world population growth, mm -hmm. life, expense, life expectancy, right? Yep, I see HIV, it. HIV, AIDS, cancer, yep. suicide. I was going to say love it to your next one, but I just changed my mind. My thesis is that pick a random metric of happiness. Yeah. And or just plot it. Pleasantness of life. Yes, and plot it over the last 2,000 years, 1,000 years, 100 years, and that metric will be improving. Yeah, I think that, um, yes. We will, actually, no, yeah, I think that's absolutely true. Okay. I mean, it, it depending, I mean, if you go back 100 years, there's a couple spikes because of World War II and yes. fun things like the Holocaust. Yeah. Um, but if you zoom out, yeah. if you zoom out, it's still good news. We've got to think about average global happiness. That's what we're talking about here. We're talking about... How are you about, defining happiness here? That's what's great. Is sociologists define that different ways. gives us every kind of metric you can think of. Mm -hmm. Go ahead and pick one for us. Ooh. Well, I'm looking at plastic pollution, but I have bad feelings about that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Let's do maternal mortality. Okay. Maternal mortality. Um, let's see. Where would I find it? Uh, just control F. Except you have a Mac, so it's something else. A command F. Command F. Maternal mortality. Here we Scrolling go. Scrolling down... Is the death of a mother during or within 42 days of the termination of pregnancy? How do maternal mortality rates vary across the world? Are they rising or falling? Ooh. So go ahead and scroll down and you'll the see a The unfortunate thing with this... Oh, maybe I'm looking at the wrong one. Yep, you see a map. Go oh, yeah, this is the one I like. The maternal and click mortality rate chart. from 1990 to 2016. Yep, and you can click... Oh, that's a different one than what you have. And you can click oh. on a button that says um, Add Country. And you can scroll down, and you can select select the world box, and the world will be plotted along all the other countries. And what do you know? It's going down. It's gone down by a lot. It's gone down by a lot. By a lot. Even though shamefully in the U.S. it's up just a touch, but yeah, it's gonna go. It's gonna go back down. It's going down. And it's by gonna a go. Lot. So yeah, and it's going down everywhere. Worldwide average, you know, has gone down from four hundred per hundred thousand live births down to two hundred per thousand live births just since 1990, right? Yeah. And if you track it back to Finland, where apparently they have these stats, it's fallen by from 800 to nearly zero. Okay? That's that's incredible. It's awesome. Okay, that's just one. Let's do it again. All right, let's do it again. Pick you want to pick one, one or should I pick another one? You, you pick one. Um, let's do one we've been talking about a lot in our country lately, okay. financing healthcare. Okay. Public expenditure as a share of GDP, right? Oh, it's so it's a percentage, as a percentage of GDP. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's necessarily a good. You don't metric. think that's a measurement of happiness? Well, I think. I well, I don't know. I'd have to think about that. Um, I do think that my my perspectives are. No, I think zero percent is terrible. Yeah. A hundred percent is also terrible. Yeah. What about six um, percent, which is where we. Six percent. I would. I don't know. We've gone from zero to six percent over the last. I, I do think years. I do think this is an interesting one because I presume, and I, I'm by no means an expert. I just read a lot of news, which is terrible for me. Um, but I assume that going up is good, right? But at some point, you stop like fighting cancer and you start keeping people healthy, and costs will go back down. Um, 
And so to me, it seems like, oh, it loaded for me. But I do think generally, as a general rule, and especially when you consider what the ancient Egyptians were spending on healthcare as a percentage of GDP, I would say that a higher percentage is a good thing. And that is what we see. All right, let's go back one and let's pick one more just for completeness. Okay. Pick one that's really like doomy and gloomy. Doomy and gloomy. Should we do something war related? Yeah, there you go. War and peace. Let's do military spending. Okay. That's interesting. That's not where I would have gone. This I would like to be a lesser percentage uh -huh. of GDP. That's right. It's, you know, it's going down, actually, lately. Look at UK Even... defense spending as a percentage of GDP from 1692 to 2014. That is fascinating. World War One, World War Two. you know, and yeah. it's been going down ever since World War Two. Right? I don't know right. what, the U, what the U.S. one would be. Oh, this is the one you're talking about. Um, United States is also going down since 1960. Which is good. Mm -hmm. There you go. I would think I would agree with you that military expenditure as a share of GDP is one measure of, of happiness. Right? The, sure. The I'm not going to argue the word happiness. I was just curious. Yeah. The less you have to spend on making war. The, thing, the one I thought you were going to click on is just simply um, war and peace. And this is the focus of the uh, Kyrgyzstan view. I didn't pick that one because I have a pretty good guess what this one's going to look like. And I was right. Yeah. Because this is, this is a topic that interests me anyway. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad you shared those videos because I think they're excellent. And I do think that the belief that the world is getting worse is A, erroneous, and we should not celebrate lies, uh -huh. and B, unhealthy. Right. Battle-related de deaths in, in state-based conflicts. If you plot yes. this versus population, it goes down. That's what I think is under true. With, right. This is just force, sheer numbers. The population's bigger, so... Yeah, with spikes. Mm -hmm. in, uh, well, that's one of the points, is that the population is bigger, but the population is also happier. So if you look right. at something like literacy, it's just astonishing, the percent change in literacy over the past hundred years. Oh, yeah, that's huge. Right? From, like, none to hundred, almost, you know. It's just gigantic. I was just reading about Cade's Rebellion... Um, in England and I know Cade is not a very well known um, historical figure so I'm, what I'm going to say is mostly based on what Shakespeare said about him but um, there's a scene where Cade um, they bring out a literate guy right? and literacy is one of the things that he's getting his mob riled up about because literacy is it's a sign of elitism right. and he gives this guy a chance to say that he doesn't sign his name but he just makes a mark like a good person but the guy won't admit to being illiterate, so they kill him. Um, of course they do. But now, you know, everybody has basic literacy. Yeah. Um, essentially. Maybe not maybe maybe not as literate as I, I mean, would like not, them to it's be, not, but it's not hundred percent. But yeah, but but, but every it's, it's one, a lot better than yeah, it used to be. People can spell their name. Long term homicide rates across Western Europe has improved. Okay. Yeah. Maybe this is the point. The point is that if you look at local news, if you look at worldwide news, it's very easy to believe that things are just going to heck in a handbasket. Because there are bad things. Because there really are bad things, and those shouldn't be overlooked. There are real reasons to be um, annoyed and to be like political and to work for a better country. But the perception that things are getting worse... Is Thank just, you, cable news. I just don't think it's true. If you look at an average happiness metric, most of them you find, they're going up. And as you said when we started talking about this, they've been going up for a long time. Since forever, essentially. Yeah. Right. 
And isn't that the point? I would think Jesus is okay with the world getting better. It seems like something he would be in favor of. I don't want to speak for him. That is not my role. But um, I just can't imagine him like sitting around waiting for the world to get worse so he can finally do his thing. That doesn't seem in keeping with his personality as I read the New Testament. Look, um, there are a couple possible exceptions. Okay. One is climate change. Climate change is something okay. that we should take seriously. This one, you know, if there are, if there's a, one of these prophecies in here that might actually get us, right? Fires and rumors of fires. Yeah. Hurricanes and rumors of hurricanes. Yeah. That one, we could, but this, but we really could beat it. Um, there, you know, all the, we had all these recent strikes and we've had a lot of talk about, you know, working on the environment. I think generally the, even pollution and the environment is on its way up, right? If you look, you'll see news stories yes. about things like better recyclable plastics, about alternate forms of energy, right? There's real hope out there. There is. Um, there's also a lot of worry about it. And so I think it's worth working on. But generally, I like to think that we're on the that we're on the tail end of these prophecies. Oh, interesting. So your theory is that the bad times are coming to an end. I'm. That's my hope. Okay. Look, I could totally be wrong about this. I love creatures of hope. I admire them. I could. <laughs> so this is great. Yeah. No. Go. If you read some of these, if you read Revelation, first of all, if you read Revelation... So, wait, can I, can I restate your argument real fast before you uh, tell me what it says in Revelation? Are you essentially saying that all of time has been wars and rumors of wars, and we're finally starting to come out of this time? I think that there were some real bad ones. Yeah. Real, I think that some of the prophecies here about, about these bad times, actually, they were right, of course. Some of these were really bad. Sure. But... I can't believe it's going to keep getting worse. I have, I think I believe the opposite, that things are going to keep getting better. Empirically stating it, the case, uh, there is no evidence the world is getting worse, really. Right. I think that's why some people, some many religious people love the nuclear bomb, just the idea of it. It's just apocalypse I mean, and it can. It was scary, but yeah, it, it just solves the problem at once. The world's not getting better because the world's gone. Well, that was one of the critical plot points of Good Omens. Have you seen Good Omens yet? I have, yes. Yeah, right. It's one of the ways that the apocalypse is going to be engineered is through mm -hmm. is through just bombs. Yeah. Right? It's shortcut. I mean, they just, by the way, what a great show that is. <laughs> <laughs> and also very indicative of the whole evangelical belief about the apocalypse and how it just really doesn't make a lot of sense, right? In, in our humble opinions. In our humble opinions. Yes. yes. Thank you very much. Thank you, anybody. So, uh, yeah, great show. Really enjoyed it. Um, I'm going to conclude my portion of the tutorial. Okay. Listen, um, I work for a living to make the world a better place. Okay? Okay. I do x-ray crystallography, and I try to make it better. I work with people who are working on alternate energy, on Alzheimer's, on cancer proteins, on malaria drugs. All right, this is what mm -hmm. I do for a living. Okay. I teach my children that they should consider public policy as a career opportunity. Okay? It's good. To not to not just to, to take advantage of the fact that for lack of a better word, they're really born into some kind of well privilege, really. Sure. And that they should take advantage of it not because it will help them make themselves happy, 
but to try to make as many other people happy as possible, right? Yes. I think that this belief that I have and that I'm trying to teach my children is not unique to the LDS faith. I don't think so either. I don't think it's unique to the Christian faith. No. I don't think it's unique to the Jews. I don't think it's it's unique to Hinduism, Muslim, Etc. Etc. Even atheists believe this. In fact, atheists is their atheists is their only it's article their of faith. Only so believe. <laughs> I yeah. don't. I think that this is a universal, worldwide belief, right? And I think it's working. Amen. Okay. What do you got? Why is my name a piece of malarkey? <laughs> um, before we start, let's explain why I'm wrong. Okay. <laughs> so. <laughs> The Oakland Temple was recently rededicated, and at the second dedicatory session, Elder Pearson, who was president of the North American West Area, um, told the story of something then Elder Nelson said at a 2007 Mission President's training that then President Pearson attended as a Mission President. Um, Elder Nelson said, the time would come in which the world would be so wicked, people would flock to the church. President Pearson, uh, Mission President Pearson, asked a question. He said, when will this be? And Elder Nelson replied, in your lifetime, in my lifetime. Um, that's not strictly millennial, though there's been a big uptick in millennial content in General Conference since President Nelson became president of the church. Um, I think he's a big fan of, like, end times. Um, I, I don't, um, but as we said, I don't see the world getting wicked, or I don't know how the world getting wicked will make people flock to the church. That implies we're the only good place. And as we've already established, the millennium is not going to be a time where only Mormons exist. So, um, so I'm starting things off by saying that President Nelson definitely disagrees with me, so everyone who can turn off won't can. <laughs> everyone who would like to. Um, I think I'm going to play the part here, by the way, okay. of this, of the... The opposite part that I normally take, which is the skeptical scientist, okay. and play the part of the skeptical Mormon. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> um, so, uh, I mean, I, we should establish that we used to be much more millennial in the church than we are now. Okay. Uh, there is, I believe, an increase in talking about things in a millennial way since President Nelson became the prophet, and I believe that trickles down from him. However, there are 20 hymns in the hymnal that are under millennial in the topics guide, and that does not include The Time is Far Spent, which is the song I'm going to sing, because I love it. I never heard it till my mission. I've heard it like twice since then, but it's super millennial. So, the time is far spent, there's but little remaining to publish glad tidings by sea or by land. By the way, if I had my way, we would have a banjo and sing this every Sunday. Oh, a banjo. So, hasten ye heralds, go forward proclaiming, repent for the kingdom of heaven's at hand. With me, repent for the kingdom of heaven's at hand. <laughs> the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Uh -huh. And frankly, like, it's very exciting to be a millennial religion. It's exciting to believe it's about to happen. When Joseph Smith prayed and asked, when's it happening? And God said, well, I'll tell you what, if you're 80 or 85 or whatever it is God said, um, uh, it'll happen by then. And Joseph was like, I'm not sure what that means exactly. <laughs> it ends up, it means you're going to die, Joseph. <laughs> no. uh, so be careful what you ask for. Um, but there is something very attractive about being millennial, about believing that you are the lone standout in a wicked world and, and the hero is going to come and save us. It's very attractive. Um, I, think it's, I think it's not what 
God is actually saying. Mm -hmm. But um, I've almost definitely quoted the scripture before. Okay, well, let's do it. Uh, and I will probably quote it again because um, I put way too much stock in the scripture. But in Doctrine and Covenants, section 19, um, Joseph Smith gets this revelation, and it's about eternal damnation, which Joseph Smith has, has an interest in. And the Lord says, again, it is written eternal damnation, wherefore it is more expressed to freak people out. I'm paraphrasing a little bit. But that's what it says in verse 7. Wherefore, I will explain unto you this mystery, for it is mean unto me that for you to know, even as mine apostles. Psst, secret for the apostles here. I speak unto you that are chosen in this thing, even as one that you may enter into my rest. For behold, the mystery of godliness, like how great it is. For behold, I am endless, and the punishment which is given from my hand is endless punishment, for endless is my name. Get it? Wherefore, eternal punishment is God's punishment. Endless punishment is God's punishment. It's not that it's going to last forever. It's that it's my punishment, and I'm eternal. So it's eternal punishment. Get it? Get it? Get it? Um, I think something similar is going on here. I think that the millennial is an excellent way to think oh, about things. I just... Okay, I think I get what you're saying. I think it's a great way to think about things. I think it's a great way to understand what God's plan for us is. I don't think it is literally true. That's interesting. So here, let me see if I can paraphrase. Okay. You're using this particular scripture, which is an a scripture that is designed to clarify what the word endless means. Right. And God is saying that it doesn't mean that it's endless. Literally endless. But that it you won't be. From him. You won't necessarily be damned forever. But it's I'm the one damning you. You're saying that this is a precedent for us not understanding the language of the scriptures. And yes. God deliberately using specific language to help people cope with, like, whatever... like Stuff that's too big for us to understand. Okay. And um, we also have precedent for this that we've talked about before on Face and Hat. Um, I did not remake this with better handwriting, but I wonder if you could look at this timeline and decipher it. Uh-huh. I see 4.5 billion years of Earth. That's and correct. Then and I then... I see 6,000 years, which and, is us. And that gets to us. Which is, there's a, on, as an aside... There's a great Curtis Act video that says put the number at twelve thousand. Okay. Oh, okay. The, this is this is being your skeptical Mormon person. The Earth was created six million years ago. For, although we all know that that's not true. So anyway, go ahead. So U.S. Oh, that's us. Yeah. <laughs> USA. And then dot dot dot. And then the, this is the millennium. The millennium. I accidentally right? spelled millennium with two M's, mm -hmm. which is wrong. Unless you are. I don't think there's any word that starts with two M's. Okay, we have expanded our understanding of the past. Why are we so unimaginative for the future? That's an interesting question. Right. Um, so, let me see if I understand. Okay, let me see if I can guess where you're going. Okay, okay, go for it. It's not that it's a thousand literal years, right? Sure. It's just the next step of peace. Yes, and I also think that it will start so gradually that we won't really notice it. Because the world's getting better and better, as you've established, oh, religious person. That is true. We did talk about how the world is, is getting better. Um, as an aside, yes, we didn't talk about Revelation. Um, if you cheat... Oh, yeah, that's right. I never you, let you go back to it. If you cheat and look, <laughs> and look ahead to the gospel, to the come follow me stuff on Revelation. Okay. Right? Is it super millennial? I haven't looked. It's not really. Oh, really? Yeah. It's, oh. It's really... There are a couple parts about signs and times... But a lot of it is, how can we learn from these scriptures about what Jesus Christ is like and how we can follow him? Do you think, and this is going to sound like a cynical question, but I really don't mean it that way. Mm -hmm. 
Um, do you think that that's to avoid talking about hard things? Or do you think it's because they really feel that's the ultimate focus of Revelation? So I actually don't, don't know that that's true. I think that that is what it says in the section on that's supposed to be taught during Sunday school. Those specific chapters. Yeah. yeah. There's actually two versions of Come Follow Me. There's the version that Sunday school teachers read. Okay. Yeah, which is how oh, to teach okay. this stuff. I thought there was, you had some secret underground oh, yeah. that you downloaded from knowledge. BitTorrent or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go ahead. I'm going to break the whole thing wide open, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, but then there's the version you're supposed to study along at home. And um, I was mainly focusing on what's going to be taught during Sunday school. Okay. So it's worth looking up to see what it's going to be like. But what I found was that, the, yeah, there's some stuff about signs and comings, but there's a lot of stuff about just you know, be better people, which is like what most of Come Follow Me is about. Yeah. <laughs> and which is fantastic, by the way. I love Come Follow Me. It's been it's been better for us than my wife predicted. Yeah. Not as good as I optimistically hoped. But yeah. That I think makes us normal people. <laughs> so. Yeah, we got more work to do on it. Go ahead though. Yeah. Um so I think there's a few possible solutions to this problem. I'm gonna start wait, wait. what's the problem? The problem is I don't believe in the millennium. Okay. And if the millennium is a rhetorical device that God is using, then what is it? What is it standing in for? What is it a parable for? What is it? What is it an allegory of? Well, let's, is, be, let's be more specific. Um, second coming of Christ. Yeah. Well, how does this fit into this? That I'm not sure. That that I think is the big the big question mark for me. I don't this seems really very know. Very clear. Christ will come and reign personally on the earth. Yeah, because Christ is my name. Mm-hmm. So. And this earth is where I will be. So I don't know the answer to that question. Um, that that I think I don't. I wouldn't call it a weakness of my argument, but I, I would consider it um, the last paragraph of my scientific paper, which says room for further research includes. <laughs> so um, so let me give you the crazy version of what could be happening. And by crazy, I mean most people find it crazy, but I actually don't find it that crazy. Um, and this is sort of a transhumanist idea, and. Um, there's a Mormon transhuman society that is interesting, though I don't really spend a lot of time with them because some of them are crazy. We love you guys. Um, but I, th- I think this makes a lot of sense. Um, we are already very different humans than we were a while ago, right? I have antibodies for all sorts of diseases I've never had going through my body right now. Well, you're all pretty awesome. You're already older than the average lifespan. Oh yeah, from for like, most from of like human history. Years ago. That's yeah. right. You're already a marvel among. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I would be king. <laughs> um, so there's that, uh, but also um, you know, for our grandkids definitely, and well, our great grandkids definitely, maybe our grandkids. Um, I think things like gene editing in humans is going to feel pretty normal, not that strange. I already have people in my family who are cyborgs with titanium hips or knees or fancy devices in their ears. So fancy, right? Yes. Have you seen the... I know people who wear sheaths of plastic across their eyeballs that allow them to see. Yeah, deaf, the cochlear implants. Yes, those things are amazing. Um, We're going to continue to get better and better, just like the world is getting better we're i think we are improving humanity so if we can improve ourselves both physically and um and spiritually and socially as time goes on then why not as a proposal not saying i necessarily believe this but i think it's a reasonable suggestion why not the second coming the uh, millennium the resurrection why not all those things just be natural developments 
that God has planned for us and wants us to do the work on, as opposed to a magical day where people crawl out of their graves instead of being zombies, their grandpa. Um, I don't know that I believe that necessarily, but it seems to me more reasonable than the doom and gloom magic moment version of the millennium. Well, there's something... Well, no, no, hold on. Yeah. The the hope of the second coming of Christ is very compelling as a singular event. Right. right? Coming down upon the mountain. It's pretty cool. And, um, and, uh, you know, and, and, you know, the graves being opened, right? And a lot of that is, you know, straight from the scripture. That's, that's what it says. Yeah. I've um, already given you my scripture that says why I don't think that the scripture is being totally straight with us. <laughs> but <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I, I don't think the second coming is likely to be a moment. I think one day we'll look around and realize, like, oh, Jesus is here. There he is. I see him. My eyes have been opened. I like the idea. I mean, it's it's romantic to have the hero coming down on his white seat deed in his, in his red robes. But That's not just romantic. It's scriptural. It is scriptural, but I just, I think it's, I think it's motivating for us. Just like eternal damnation is motivating. Well, that is true. Well, it, not, not that true. <laughs> well, I'm gonna That's I'm gonna be for kids. yeah, and I, right. I'm gonna be pushing this like as hard as I can, but I think these are reasonable arguments I'm making. Okay, I think I don't I, think there's anything crazy about what I'm saying. I, I agree that there is. I mean, look, everything we're saying is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, actually. Take a step backwards and admit that. So there was a short story that was uh, came out recently as part of the Mormon Lit Blitz, which I highly recommend reading every time it happens. Uh, very short stories, like under 2,000 words. Um, this particular one is called um, it's called Paradisiacal Glories by Catherine Cowley. Which, I love that word. It's a good word. Why, did, why don't we use it more often? <laughs> I don't know. Honey, you're looking paradisiacal you're tonight. You're looking paradisiacal. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, anyway, in this story, it takes place during the millennium. Christ has come, literally. It takes place in this sort of more traditional but we're not just all hanging around worshiping Jesus and eating grapes. Um, this, it's we're with a family who's which been. I which I don't think people think is going to be true about. That. I don't know. I don't really know what people think. Okay. Um, but I think people are going to be. I, I've always thought of it as a highly working. Well, right, but I think people usually think of it as like going to the temple all day long. But I think there's more to it than that. Oh, I'm sorry. Do you mind if I insert something here? Sure. So um, the current estimated. Um, population of humans that have ever lived on the earth. Do you know what that, what that number is? Uh, according to the video? Or, oh, wait, the top population is high as it will ever get? However many people have been born so far. Um, I actually just read an article in one of my classes about that a few weeks ago, but I don't yeah. remember now. It's like 104 billion. 104 billion, okay. okay. So let's assume that um, our numbers, the, the, yeah. the population of... Okay, do, should we look it up? All right, Google says... 105 billion. 105 billion. 105 people, 5 billion people have, have mm -hmm. ever lived. Let's assume, uh, in a, given a literal, a literal second coming, and you know that the pop, that um, the population of Mormons increases by tenfold right okay. when the millennium starts. Sounds good. All right. Let's just make that as an assumption. That would make everyone happy. All right. There's six. Let's let's there's six million people in the church now. Let's say it goes up to. Let's actually say it goes up to six billion people. Mm-hmm. All right. Six billion Mormons? What do you think? Do you think that's over overreaching? Totally, but let's say it anyway. Let's say six, 60 million then. Okay. All right? So, how if let's say that all of them are doing endowments. Okay. 
Let's just do the math. Oh, quick. okay. I see where you're going with this. I'm interested to hear what this number might be. Okay. So 105,000 million billion divided by 60 hmm. million. 1,750 endowments per person. 1,750 endowments per person? Yep. We could do that in 1,000 years. Let's, let's actually work it out. How long is an endowment? Two hours? Yeah, so it's like two per year, though. Two hours, 3,500 hours. 3,500 hours. Okay. Divided by 24 hours in a day, 145 days. Okay? The millennium, the work of the baptisms. Yeah. And the endowments is over in a half a year. All right? Yeah. There's no way that the millennium is just about There's no way. family history. Let me give you a, um, a Bring Me Young quotation that I was saving for later. Thanks to artist uh, Parshall who helped me find this because um, follow her at, on Twitter at Keep a Pitching In. Um, she's a great historian, very talented. Help me find a quotation. I don't think it's the one I was looking for, but it's just as good. This is Brigham Young. He said, They, meaning, the saints, I assume, um, will, con this is in, by the way, if you want to look it up, it's in, um, and never mind, we'll put it in the notes. They will continue the work with Jesus until the whole earth is subdued, renovated, and brought back into its paradisiac state and sanctified. Brigham Young says, um, and the other quotation that I've not been able to find, but I swear I read, um, he says quite clearly that essentially our job as human beings will be to spend the millennium cleaning up the mess we made as human beings. We've screwed up the earth. we got to clean it. And that's what uh, Catherine's story is about. It's about a family in the Antarctic refreezing Antarctic ice, sea ice. Ah, this is the short story you're This is the short story I was referring to. So, so we're going to have to repair everything we've broken. But my argument would be, why does that happen? have to happen during the millennium? Like, why can't we get started on that now? which ties back into your demotivating thing. Like, why do we wait for things to get worse before we start making them better? Why don't we start now? I don't know if you saw this comic no, I put. I haven't looked at it yet. This is from Joel Pett. He's a Pulitzer Prize winning editorial cartoonist mm -hmm. from somewhere in the Midwest. Oh, it looks like this was published in USA Today. Um, can you describe it to us? Yeah, I see a person at a podium, a big audience of people, right? Yeah. And that the guy at the screen is, and it says Climate Summit on it, right? And the guy at the screen is showing a slide that says Energy Independence. So this is, I guess, what some of the benefits. Some of the, yeah, some of the great stuff that we should be working on as, as we care about climate, climate research yeah. and things. Energy Independence, preserve rainforest, sustainability, green jobs, livable cities, renewables, clean water, air, healthy children. And then there's a guy in the audience saying, what if it's a big hoax and we create a better world for nothing? It's great. <laughs> My wife quotes this all the time. <laughs> what, if all, what if it's all a big hoax? Yeah. And we make everything better for nothing. For no reason at all. <laughs> this is something I heard a lot when I was a kid, and it's something I thought had the idea of myself as well. Yeah. Um, why bother, right? Why not just throw everything away? Why not make a big mess? Why not ruin the world? Why, why not just burn fossil fuels? Why not spill oil in the oceans? Because when Jesus comes... He'll fix it, all magic-like, in a moment. Yeah. And today, that's something I wholeheartedly re reject. Yeah. And for a number of reasons. First of all, like, why should we get off the hook? Especially if we're guilty. And second of all, how irresponsible and ungrateful for God's gifts, if that's the way we're going to treat them, with the idea that he'll give us another one. 
in Nephi Anderson's novel Added Upon, which came out real close, actually maybe more than 100, roughly 100 years ago, I believe a little more than 100 years ago. Um, it's a cool book. It's not his best work, but um, it's a really ambitious book. It's his first novel, and it starts in the pre-existence and follows the same four characters through the pre-existence, mortal life, um, and then like uh, where they are after death, right? And then all the way to the millennium, um, and and then there's and then there's a blank verse section at the end. That's the celestial kingdom, and. My favorite part, at least the part I remember best, is the millennium where one of these people who had lived on Earth previously and is now is back on Earth. He is uh, living in Zion, you know, the New Jerusalem, built upon the American continent, and he is given the task of um, giving the King of Poland a tour. Because the King of Poland is, wants to know what's going on in Zion, because that's clearly like the best place on Earth. So the King of Poland comes to Missouri to tour Zion. And this fellow takes him on a trip. And he shows him, like, everybody's so happy, everybody's working hard and doing their part, and nobody resents anyone else, and everybody has everything they need. And unfortunately, you don't get to miss, meet Jesus today. He's not here. But, uh, you know, maybe next time. Um, and then my favorite part, and this is why I love it, because I feel like I see Nephi Anderson right here. Uh, they uh, walk, they're walking out into a beautiful park, because, of course, Zion has beautiful parks. And the King of Poland says, whoa, what's with that guy? He's just like sitting there feeding the swans. Where, how does this lazy guy get off? And the tour guide's like, Whoa, what? He's not lazy. He is one of our hardest working people. He is a writer. And he is coming up with ideas right now. <laughs> I love that. My favorite. Um, but this, I mean, I think the millennium is an opportunity for us to like engage in wish fulfillment. Like, this is what I wish the world was like. And if Jesus just comes, it'll be that way. And nothing else I see in Scripture encourages me to think that the purpose of creation is to stop working. In fact, I think the purpose of, say, the millennium is not to be relieved of our work, but to truly learn to love God's work. And we know what God's work is. And it's going to be more than just, um, you know, the endowments in the temple, although obviously I have no problem with that being a major part of it. But God is a creator. God is a saver. God does all these amazing things, and it's our job to become like God. And the millennium doesn't magically make us like God. And I, and I know that was one of the myths. I'm not suggesting that that's what people are saying, but it should be a struggle. And I don't know that we should expect it anytime soon, even though for the last 2,000 years, every third patriarchal blessing has said it will happen in your lifetime. I just, I don't, I don't know that I believe that. So one of the things that I had started this conversation, mm -hmm. when I started wanting to talk about this, one of the reasons I wanted to talk about it is because it was my belief that the primary sources are so unclear. Sure. As to what the signs of the second coming are and to what the second coming was and what the millennium was. Okay. Okay. As I actually started reading the secondary sources, Okay, which I'll call here gospel topics, gospel principles, right? And come follow me. What I instead found was a fairly unified approach to what these scriptures mean. Okay, mm -hmm. and it was that the, well, things must get worse, which I've already talked about, <laughs> and that the Christ will come, that there'll be, the earth will be cleansed in fire, that, um, the millennium will be ushered in a thousand years of peace of peace it's fairly consistent that that's what the teaching is so it's hard for me to reconcile 
what you're what you're saying mm-hmm. with these what I'll, again what I'll call secondary sources. Right, I'm essentially saying they're wrong. That's yeah. basically what I'm saying. And and I do not feel that I have any authority to encourage people to agree yeah. with me. Okay. Think, but it is an honest feeling. Like that's where I've landed. I just don't think our understanding of the millennium is is accurate. I think the way feel let me think, see if I can help you know, clarify and summarize. You're not what I think what you're saying is that the secondary sources are wrong. That is correct. Okay? That the primary sources are misinterpreted. That is a fair statement. Okay. And or not even not misinterpreted. Not even misinterpreted, like like deeper than that in a way. That, that we just haven't yet understood what they're trying to say. And that the millennium itself is a good logical construct that helps us understand God's plan for his people as a whole. Right. In the same way that you know, when God put stars in the firmament, he didn't literally put stars in the big dome that covers the earth, right? Because, but those, that was language that people understood. It was a way to explain the world to them. Um, quite accidentally this morning, I was, uh, before teaching seminary, I opened my new New Testament, which is a book I highly recommend. Um, it's a it's tra- new translation of the New Testament itself, but also a lot of other books that are contemporary, but didn't make it into the New Testament including the Gospel of Thomas, which um, is one of the older New Testament texts that exists. And I happened to open to the introduction to that. And the introduction made the point that Thomas is much less interested about the end of all things than he is about the beginning. Um, He's much more interested in, for instance, Eden. And so are we, right? We are also interested in the beginning. When you go to the temple, you don't engage in a ritual reenactment of the end of the world. We engage in a ritual reenactment of the beginning of the world. I think that everything the Lord has set up is encouraging us to think about beginnings and what happens next. And I think anything, any way of thinking about the millennium that makes the end a big part of that understanding is not quite right. I think... God is a God of beginnings. So, can you talk more about transhumanism? Sure. So, um, outside Mormon circles, transhumanism is the idea that eventually we grow beyond our bodies, right? Maybe we become robots, maybe we become an unbodied, unconscious, um, whatever. Uh, Mormon transhumanism, which I haven't read that deeply into because, um, partially because I think it's, I'm a little bit nervous about believing it too much, and I think it makes a lot of sense, but it's the idea that how do we become God? Well, God has given us the tools to make ourselves God. God has given us the tools to improve medicine. God has given us the tools to improve knowledge, and we have taken those tools. We've been, we've invented, we've created, we've designed, we've changed the world, and the fundamental argument is why should that suddenly stop? In fact, why should that stop at any point before reaching the end point, which is becoming God? Maybe the way we become God is to keep working until we become God. And it's not so much something God does to us, but God, something God gives us the time to work out for ourselves. Kind of, in other words, like everything else we believe, like almost everything else we believe as Latter-day Saints is this idea that we work and we grow and we progress and we become like God. Um, it sort of takes it to the logical conclusion that that will never change. That's the only way we become like God is we continue working on it, and God will give us the tools and inspire us with new ideas. All right, listen, I find this more satisfying 
than than before because to me um, I want to if this if this doctrine of the millennium is is not literally what's going to happen mm-hmm. right then I'd like to understand a bit better about what's going to happen one of the problems that I have with this transhumanist argument compared to um, a real twinkling in the as yeah. it were <laughs> it'd be a shame to lose that word <laughs> and for those that don't know twinkling refers to um, when somebody who hasn't been resurrected uh, survives to the millennium right and they're instead of dying and being resurrected their body is changed as if in a twinkling of the eye so to be immortal the transhumanism argument is that there is no such thing as a sudden transformation of the human being from right. mortal to immortal. It'll take the next 6,000 years or whatever, right? Yeah. The problem is that there seems to be some real barriers that right that seem really hard to get past. The biggest one I can think of right now is entropy. Okay? Ah, okay. I okay. believe we've done an episode on that. If God really <laughs> is God and can become resurrected, all right, there's a real reversal of a fundamental assumption of how the world and the universe works okay i'm not sure and to me to me it just seems like you can't get there from here and i recognize that when i state that i'm quoting dr strange (laughs) well let me quote isaiah to even it out okay you finish first you finish first yeah you might sorry you might recall dr strange sitting there with the 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 what's the name of what's your What's her name? Which movie are we even talking about? Doctor Strange. Do you know how many Marvel movies there are? Oh, Doctor Strange has been in four or five the of them. One so. titled Doctor Strange. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, that, Supreme, that narrows it down. She, he's sitting there with the supreme sorcerer. Right? Uh, yeah. And Tilda. 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 Swinton. And is saying, um, "My hands don't do what yours do, mm. right? Yeah. How do I get to there from here?" And Tilda. The Supreme Sorcerer <laughs> says, or I'm not, I'm not for on first names basis with her, so yeah. I apologize. It's okay. She's playing a character. It's not the actor. It's the character. <laughs> right? You were right all along. How did you become a doctor? How did you become an accomplished neurosurgeon? Mm-hmm. Years of studies and practice, study and practice. And then that's what she says. Oh, it's kind of the same thing. But, so, so the, the natural response to my point, though, about these fundamental barriers could be well we just haven't figured them out yet sure i mean that's that's fine if you were a time traveler 200 years ago you could talk about all sorts of fundamental barriers that have been knocked down but it seems real hand wavy look we sure because more than but entropy is really hard to beat like we fundamentally think that you can't do it right that is what that is what science says yeah and so i like this transhumanist argument Mm -hmm. i think it's cool and a lot of me says that um, I could really buy into it, right? Because I agree with you. CRISPR is going to change the world, mm-hmm. okay? Um, you know, self-driving cars are going to change the world. Uh, we're going to get, we're going to nail all these other problems. We're going to leave our planet. I'm still optimistic. Right? But there still seems a godly barrier. Right. Which gets to the maybe my most important point that I totally skipped earlier. Okay. Um, and this is Isaiah. 64.4, for since the beginning of the world, men have not heard, nor perceived by the ear, neither hath the eye seen, O God, beside thee, 
what he hath prepared for him that waiteth for him. Ultimately, and I, I'm trying really hard not to be guilty of this, even though I know I am guilty of it, and I know that I am pointing the finger at a lot of other people for this, but ultimately I think that what that scripture and doctrine covenants about endless punishment is God's punishment, you just didn't note it because I didn't tell you to right now, and I let you fool yourselves. Ultimately, I think the most important principle here is a spiritual humility, um, a theological humility. We can't assume we know everything. Like I, That's why I don't want to preach transhumanism, though to me it, it feels like the best solution I've found. Um, ultimately, I think it's really important that we don't claim to know how God's going to do things. Um, and that gets to, like, entropy. It's an unsolvable problem. Right now, to me, there seems... I, I, I really like this idea of a godly barrier, okay? And what, mm -hmm. I, what I mean by that is a problem so large that God's got to teach us how to beat it, right? Yeah. And that's not part of our earthly existence and something that happens after. That to me is... Yeah, I like that idea too. Like, And part of that is that I am relatively certain I will die someday. Mm -hmm. um, all the data seems to back that up. <laughs> <laughs> I have two wrinkles right here <laughs> from all the times I've ironically raised my eyebrow and um, I don't know if that's going to follow me into the resurrection or not. And I want to believe that when I die, it's not, I just don't, don't just stop. I want to believe there's stuff to do once I'm dead also. And so this is one of the problems with the transhumanist argument is it seems almost to require a belief in um, like reincarnation or something where we keep coming back until we become gods, right? because it takes time and it can't be done outside of our bodies. Um, reincarnation is a little too far for me to go, um, although it does solve some of the practical problems, uh, but exactly where the line is between um, what we do here, what we do there, again, this comes down to theological humility. I just, it's important to me that we can say we don't know things. And that's why all this stuff about certainty from your quotations earlier, that it is certain that this will happen, yeah. Yeah. I just don't feel good about using the word certain. Yeah. I don't feel good about it. If I think that that um, is by far the thing that I've enjoyed most about preparing for this episode, is looking into how great things are going and how much things are improving. Yeah. There's hope out there, folks. Yeah, it's a beautiful world. Go out and enjoy it, and then make it a little bit better. But don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. <laughs> Life is too short. Don't waste your time with that. <laughs>